You are live and nationwide. Glorious. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to a very echoey, empty room. Vincent Scaramuzzo, how are you, man? What's going on? What's up, Tim Start and Brandon Hollinger and John Jobin and Bill Marchant? Paul Yates and Leslie Larson and Eric Petard and Jeffrey Geis and Randy New. Rich Donovan off the YouTube. What's up, Rich? I know that name. Jamie Marie D off the Facebook and Greg Holmes and Richard Cooper. My goodness. Is it uh, pretty echoey? We're, uh, we're back in New York City. My daughter decided she really, really needed to get back to school. We're like, oh, so we packed up uh, the doggy and a few things and we're spending um, the next few days in New York City before heading back to the beach. So uh, what's up, Gina Bobina? Once again, off the YouTube. Gina, where are you from? Good morning, Howard. Vinny Castiglione says you're looking at. Uh, well, no, nah, never mind. Let it. Let it go. Let it go. Let's just put it this way. Howard Stern's building is in this picture right now. Montreal for Gina Bobina. Oh, love the Montreal. I used to uh, get there like once every couple of years. Montreal is awesome. Wayne Boo Atkins, what's going on, brother? Cheers. Cheers to everybody. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, Stephen C. speaking a little French to Gina Bobina from Montreal. <laughs> why? Why is that the go-to thing when you think uh, French, Canadian? <laughs> brother man, brother man. Oh, it's very echoey in here. I could, I could do a, a shift on CBS FM. Playing all your hits for the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Here's the spinners. Oh, there he is. Hi, doggy. You want to say hi? Woof, woof. My doggy just said hi to you guys. He's uh, he's licking my crack. <laughs> Jeez. My crack is always exposed, and the dog goes right for it. Creepy. Oh, funny, Matt. How much did you pay the door guy to sneak in and set up? You're a card. You're hilarious. Fact is, we let our apartment just sit here for a year. We uh, we made our first dinner last night in this apartment, the first one in a year. It was really strange because, as everyone knows, because they've been doing all sorts of features on the news, but it, it was a year ago that everything pretty much shut down. And it was a year ago that we were all running to the schools here in New York City to grab our kids and just escape. We were lucky enough to do that. And uh, I remember being in this apartment. It was around March 11th, I believe. And uh, and the news reports were getting scarier and scarier. I did a podcast with Dr. Steve, um, the first one I did on the coronavirus, and he was giving all the info. Now, this episode's over a year old now or around a year old. And, man, he got a lot of this stuff right. I listened back to that episode for the hell of it. I was like, damn, Dr. Steve, you knew your, you knew your coronavirus. But it was a year ago. We were in this apartment just, like, throwing shit in bags and stuff going, we just got to get the fuck out of here. So it's really weird that uh, exactly a year later, this was the point we were, you know, fleeing. And now we're, now we're here. 
<clears throat> Did you all split the banana? Michael Garland, look at you. Yeah, there's a petrified banana in this apartment. Um, I took a picture of it. It's on my Instagram, Opie Radio. It is, it is rock hard. It's not smushy at all. It doesn't smell at all. Um, so I think we're just going to keep it now as a reminder of uh, the last year. You're going to go rollerblading down Central Park, Ricky uh, Elliott asks. I used to be a huge inline skater. I mean, I still got uh, a pair of blades, man. But um, I switched to a, a decent bike about, oh, God, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago at this point. Um, so I might take a loop in the park. Taking loops in the park on a bike is just absolutely awesome. Uh, let's hear about Opie's roll, rollerblading stories, Vinny Castiglione. Um, the story's been blown out of proportion, but it's, 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 it is based on um, some reality. So when me and Anthony were becoming um, huge radio stars, my God, signing uh, big contracts and being syndicated all over the country and, and bringing in stupid money for a lot of people. A lot of people made a lot of money off uh, me and Anthony and our success back in the day, especially. I was signing a contract and um, they uh, yeah, they were half joking, but they were also basically telling me to knock it off. They wanted me to sign a clause in the contract that I wouldn't um, inline skate slash rollerblade in the streets of New York City anymore because I, I, I used to tell the stories where that was the how I got around New York City. Like if I had to go downtown, I would just throw on some rollerblades. I'd be down there in minutes. And from time to time, and this is a true story, I would uh, hold on to the back of trucks with my uh, rollerblades. Oh, my God. I'm an old guy now. I can't even imagine. I probably could do it, but I bet you I would, my back would end up on, on the street. That made the bosses very, very nervous knowing how much money we, we were bringing into the company and how much money they were all making off our backs. And they sat me down and they, they hinted at uh, putting a clause in the contract that I wouldn't do that anymore, but then basically said, can you... Could you maybe not do that anymore? You have a lot to lose now. So, um, that, but that is, a, that is a true story. You was never close to Howard. You are delusional. Hey, everybody, look what we got this morning. I, I never said I was close to Howard. Robert Henry, you obsessed weirdo. Did I ever say I was close to Howard Stern? You know that I've never had a conversation with Howard Stern? except for an exchange of good mornings in the in the morning. Well, a one-sided good morning. I've, I've explained that too. And then I know he's pissed off at, at some of the things, some of the things from the past. And I tried to sit down with the idiot to maybe calm his dumb head. And he wasn't willing to do that. But I never said I was close to Howard. I live close to Howard. I literally could see his building, and what's creepy, um, I, I I used to because I would be up doing this very early. I, I, I would see his lights lights go on in the actual apartment that you could see from here. I'm talking about revenue, you idiot! Oh, shut up, Robert Henry. Me and Anthony made stupid money, millions upon millions, when we we're on regular radio. And I, I still hold to the fact that me and Anthony probably brought in over a billion dollars for Sirius XM during our run. That's a lot of money. 
Did Howard bring in a, a lot more than that? Yes, of course, you idiot. I don't know why it bothers you so much that we were we were looked at as the second uh, most popular show at SiriusXM, which meant we were bringing in a lot of money. Uh, dude, if you and Anthony, oh boy, guys, here we go. Steven Walter, no offense to Steven. Dude, if you and Anthony could ever get past the past, you guys would take over the podcast world. No rules, no bosses. One can hope. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Is that a possibility? Uh, Robert Henry, look at this. That's why I said, let's give Robert a break. He says, I love you. I've been listening since you fought with Arnie. All right, fair enough. I wasn't trying to over-exaggerate my shit. You know, I did enough with my career that I don't need to exaggerate anything. Nothing. And what he's talking about is the, uh, the fight in the hallway, which I knew if I went any further, I would have been fired. I, I know of Artie Lang. I can't say we're friends, but ran in the same circles forever, know all the same people. And when he was on Howard Stern show, um, I would run into him in the hallway a lot. He was always very, very nice incredibly nice and then you fast forward he started doing my uh my solo radio show at sirius xm and then after that people get confused then he moved on to do a show with anthony what drove me nuts were how two-faced everybody was like the one thing i pride myself in if i wasn't two-faced if i didn't like you i would say it on the air and i would say it off the air right to your face Maybe uh, not the smartest thing, but that is the truth. Now with Artie, and Robin was the same way, by the way. Uh, Artie would be so nice in the hallways and stuff. And, you know, hey, how are you? How's the family? You know, all that uh, basic stuff and blah, blah, blah. And then on Howard's show, when Howard would go down the road of uh, trying to beat me and Anthony up, trying, he never uh, accomplished that, by the way. We're one of the few shows that he couldn't crack the code, and I'm proud of that. But Artie would jump right in and completely trash us. So one day, it got back to us that Howard's uh, trashing you guys on the radio, and Artie's uh, saying this and that, and he was jumping right in with Howard. And then uh, we go to the commercial break, and I see uh, Artie in uh, the hallway, and he's like, hey, oh, how are you? You know, how's the family or whatever he was saying that day? And I was like, hey, Artie, fuck you. I go, what are you talking? He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I hate this two-faced shit. To my face, you're, you couldn't be nicer. And then you go on the radio and you trash me and Anthony. So fuck that. You don't need to say hi to me in the hallway. And then he got on his high horse. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's getting in my face. I'm getting in his face. And then uh, someone ran and, and told stupid Baba Booey. And uh, Baba Booey runs out of uh, Howard's area with the whole film crew when they were still filming before Howard uh, pretty much fired all those guys and gave them no notice and really fucked them over. That's a story for another day. Um, and so I see uh, the door for Howard's area open it up and a whole film crew is running out with stupid Baba Booey. And there's me and uh, Artie face to face in the hallway. And it's looking like we might fight. And man, for the first time, and a very, and it was very, very rare, I looked at the situation at hand and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna be on this, uh, the TV show, whatever channel it was on at that, that, at that time, fighting Artie in the hallway. 
It would make for great TV. I probably would fucking lose that fight, I'm, I'm here to say, but I, I, I don't give a fuck. I'd rather walk away, you know, with a broken jaw than, than back down. And, uh, and then I, I looked at everything. I was like, this isn't good, man. This isn't good. And I, I turned and walked away before the film crew could really get something going. So I think that's what he's referring to. Um, after that, you know, Artie uh, left the Howard Stern show and then he started appearing on my um, my solo show that I was kind of doing with, um, uh, well, probably first with Jim Norton and then with uh, with Carl and Vic and Sherrod. And he couldn't have been nicer. He was really, really cool. I got um, either DMs or text messages from him where he really wanted to start doing the show on a regular basis and try to work something out. We never did. And then um, you fast forward a little bit. He ended up uh, working with Anthony for a while. So you think how Howard ate Artie's boogers, <laughs> Rachel? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Scott Davies. <laughs> Do you think Howard and Artie after at one point? I mean... You know, Artie with his with his issues, <laughs> he might have, <laughs> and Howard because of uh, his issues, he might have. <laughs> just saying. Oh, they're just jokes, people. Oh, two brand new shirt designs at opradio.com. We got the uh, the shirt that just says "canceled" because we're gonna get to a point where I think it, the thing to to do is to be canceled for something because I think that's where all the cool people are going to end up being. <laughs> I, I, I have no doubt. And then we have another shirt called uh, Cancel Cancel Culture. Yes. Uh, you can check them out on uh, opradio.com. I, I like how they came out. All right. I like the echo in this room, by the way. Can you tell there's no furniture in this room? CBS FM. Here's Tony Orlando and Dawn. Knock three times on the ceiling if you love me, baby. Here's Donna Summer. How's it being in uh, the city again? Thomas Kelly says it's all right. I mean, it's a nice change of pace because we went a year barely seeing anybody. So it's really strange for all of us. We're keeping our distance, trying to do the right thing. I'm going to the dog park every single day, like twice a day. My dog, doggy, doggy, do you like the dog park? Of course he does. Look at this. I don't know why he follows just me. My kids are up. Freaking creepy, man, to uh, take a dog to the dog park. And then we're all like looking at our dogs just sniffing butts and licking balls and trying to hump. And then you're trying to have like some, you know, some small talk with another dog owner as your as your dog is just trying to lap the balls of their dog. My joke went uh, over uh, like a like a bad fart, so they're like dogpiling and licking everything. So I just decided to yell. And you got to remember, you got to understand where you are. The Upper West Side is a bit snooty, and they're I would bet a bunch of these people are into the cancel culture. So uh, as they're dogpiling, licking everything, I just yelled out, "Me too, me too!" <laughs> and then I started laughing at myself like an idiot. I got death stares from everybody. I'm like, what? 
Uh, Opie, I was listening to an old show with Dice on ONA. I love the guy, but he must be just exhausting. John Radford, he's very, very exhausting. He's a guy that was so entertaining to be around off air, but he was, he was completely exhausting. He, uh, he'll ask you about yourself. You have maybe 10 seconds to give him an update. And then it goes back to uh, just focusing on him for the next six hours. That's Dice in a nutshell. You want to talk about a guy that does, does not have his ego in check. But with that said, entertaining is all hell, man. I miss, especially I guess uh, we have to go back to the WNEW days. And Dice was coming in a lot. And the best was the, we couldn't wait for the show to be over, even though the show's killed with Dice on him. He never had a bad appearance. Oh, my God. He's one of those guys that never had a bad appearance on our show. There is only a few people that I could say that about. Uh, another, of course, being like Jim Brewer. We couldn't wait for the show to end because then we would just wander around New York City just fucking with people in a good way and laughing our asses off. And this was really before the YouTube and everything else truly took off unfortunately because th those days were just legendary legendary every five seconds it was something just just having fun and laughing and making fun of people and then going to eat and going to eat was an adventure and uh you know he insisted the famous um sweatshirt story uh, he insisted one day that me and anthony get sweatshirts because he was really into big huge over-the-top sweatshirts and we went into this store and the sweatshirts were really, really nice. And I was excited again when I'm like, damn, I actually could, I actually would wear this, you know? But he would only buy them if me and Anthony got like triple XLs. They, they, we were swimming in these sweatshirts and we're like, but can't I just get a, at the time I was a medium. And then we go to the counter and then he's haggling. And at this point in his life, he was very rich and well, well off and then he went through a slow stage and now i, I would assume he's rich again because he's uh he's a big movie star and uh, i knew how much money he was making and he was haggling the guy and he would not leave the store on, until the guy gave him a really good break on the sweatshirts <laughs> and it was just amazing to watch him work brewers live stand-up beats dice seen them both twice brewers so much funnier hands down uh 100 jamie uh d but the beauty of dice um, Brewer is one of the funniest fucking comics ever. And he's a great storyteller and he crushes every time on that stage. Um, the difference though is he's, he's more prepared. You know, all the great comics can go off script and uh, just fuck around. And certainly Brewer can do that. Dice has no problem. Cause like I said earlier, if I, if you really need me to break it down, his ego is not in check. So Dice, a lot of times, especially at the comedy store out there in LA, we just walk in with no agenda and no real material and just go on the stage and fuck around and make it up as he goes along. And that's pretty impressive, too. But when you do that, you're going to have a lot of dead spots. But they both gave amazing radio back in the day. Absolutely amazing radio. Hope, is it true you and Ed never got a penny from the Demena World CD? I forgot what we... Uh, oh, my God, I forgot the number now. Um, I think we split... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We split 75 cents a disc. So we were making like 37 and a half a disc. And that thing, well, oh, oh my God. Can we talk about that tomorrow? 
I haven't told the Demented World CD story in a while, but we never did a follow-up CD because the stupid lawyers at CBS uh, uh, Radio shut down a double disc that was all ready to go because they were scared about all the material in there. And I'm like, you idiots, this thing will make millions of dollars for everybody. You know, we put out a CD when we were up in Boston and the damn CD was charting uh, around the country. Uh, and we were only in one city that no one knew us yet. And we sold like well over 100,000 copies. And then when we got to New York and uh, became massive, uh, I I, uh, I took it on to, to get another CD out there and it was done. It was a double CD. We were going to call it cringe. It had artwork and everything. And at the last moment, these goddamn lawyers got it. No, I'm not going back to radio because now I'm triggered. These fucking lawyers always getting in the way. That CD would have sold uh, massively. And then that would have probably led to us pretty much putting out CDs every year. But at that point, we gave up. We knew we were fucked with these lawyers just breathing down our, our necks all the time. Um, I'll tell more of the Demented World CD story tomorrow. It drives me insane with the guy counting the poster money. Oh, I, the whole the, the food court and his muscle and Bozo the Clown and the radiator. Oh, please let me tell the whole story tomorrow. You just got to remind me, okay? Wait, Daniel Ambrose, Morning Hope, checking in from Los Angeles. Love the podcast. Thank you, Daniel. I appreciate that. Wow, that makes me happy. Haven't been to good old Los Angeles since I went there for my um, my agent's wake slash funeral. Super Agent Bob Eatman. That was the last time I was in L.A., unfortunately. Uh, and I love L.A. Matt Farrer from The Smoking Tire, one of my friends, lives in the Venice Beach area, although he's Build, although he's building a new house somewhere else, I believe, but um, he wants to, me to get down there to Venice Beach, hang out, do a little podcasting, drive fast in some cars. But uh, this kid is still scared to get on a plane, although after the vaccination, I don't know, maybe I'm good to go. Proud Scott, morning old, much love from Scotland. Keep up the good work, mate. That's fucking cool. Sorry, Los Angeles, but Scotland is a little cooler than Los Angeles as far as just turning this on from my New York City apartment. And next thing you know, somebody from Scotland says hi. That's pretty fucking cool. Did you bury Bob with the French horn? Wayne Wright. There's a linger longer. He was a good man. Uh, let me tell you how good of a man Bob Eatman was. Super agent. So Sirius XM tried to pull some bullshit. And they, they owed me a lot of money. I think I'm allowed to talk about it like this because we came to an agreement. So I got to be very, very careful how I talk. But I want to tell the people out there how good of a man Super Agent Bob Eatman was. He knew I got screwed over by Sirius XM. He was fighting for me, my gig, which I'm like, I, don't worry about the gig. I, it's time to leave that place. And he was also fighting for my money right up until the day he died. And at one point, um, he called me and he was almost unrecognizable, his voice. And I go, God, Bob, just, just take care of yourself and your family. Don't worry about me. Whatever happens, I'll be all right. But he, he thought it wasn't fair what SiriusXM did to me after all those years of making money for the company. And um, he, uh, Friday morning, he was on the phone with Sirius XM 
this is a couple years ago, obviously. And uh, he left us uh, that weekend fighting for me right up until his last breath. Left behind a beautiful wife and uh, uh, three beautiful sons. Uh, Vincent Scaramuzzo, Sharon Osborne doesn't have a chance. She's fighting back now, but too late. Apology already sealed the fate. I agree with you. It's just so stupid. I mean, she's on a show called The Talk, and then they have a pretty heavy talk, and that's not okay, and that triggers people that work on a show called The Talk, and it triggers some of the hosts on a show called The Talk, and now she's going to be absolutely railroaded. They might as well shut down the entire show then. You know, they, they picked the name The Talk. I would assume if I'm tuning into something called The Talk, that means I'm going to hear some... Uh, some pretty uh, controversial stuff. But you could be on a show called The Talk, but don't talk too much. Be careful about what you talk about. Let's be careful now. Our whole society is losing its mind, and it's not even the majority. That's what's really scary. We are a bunch of wimps. I'm talking about the majority in this country. We're a bunch of wimps. We're just allowing cancel culture to uh, just destroy everything uh, we know and love. Everything. It's. I mean, now they're going after uh, the, the the skunk, Pepe Le Pew. No one has thought of Pepe Le Pew in years. <laughs> no one has thought of Pepe Le Pew. That was never an issue when I was growing up. I didn't watch that cartoon and then and then want to like uh, you know harass a woman. Because most uh, free-thinking people understand the difference between a cartoon and something that's called real life. Where would you go top three cities? Um, Gerardo, that's a really good question. I would move back to Boston in a second. I loved, loved living up there. And now I'm like, you know... uh, Married with two kids, I would really enjoy Boston. I was up there with someone I didn't even like, and I loved it that much. The other one, um, until recently, but I think I got to knock it out of the top three. Every time I went to San Francisco, I loved the hell out of that place. Um, but it's an incredibly, uh, it's a bit liberal. And the last time I was there, I was pretty amazed by um, how many people were uh, just living wherever the hell they wanted <laughs> they just they're the city's so liberal people were like well i'm gonna live here now and no one said you can't do that everybody in charge are, they're just like okay then then i guess this is where you live now i mean you can't even drive on a on a highway in the san francisco area every exit ramp but people were living at so I'm not sure if i would still want to live in uh, san francisco but as far as the culture and stuff goes and the food and then going over the Golden Gate Bridge, and then you're in a whole nother world so quickly. I really, really um, liked visiting San Francisco. Uh, there was a lot to do and see there. But I don't know. I don't know. With, uh, with, the, with the policy where you can just live wherever you want, it makes it tough. Hi, doggy. I'm doing my top three cities I'd like to live in. Where would you like to live? Austin would probably be on that short list. And sometimes you think, um, you know, some of the areas down there in Philly, Saratoga Springs, Andy Vollen. 
I went up to Saratoga Springs once to visit a gal. I was on a bus all day long to visit a gal. The kid was, uh, how old was I? 19 years old, I think. Got on one of those Greyhounds and I'm like, oh, Saratoga from Long Island. That's like a four hour ride. Well, it took 12 hours, maybe longer, because they stop in every single town. I remember seeing like a highway sign, like uh, Saratoga Springs, 20 miles away. And that 20 miles took like two hours. I'm like, it's only 20 miles away. At one point, I, I was just going to get off the bus and just start walking because I think it would have been faster at that point. South Jersey. I should live in South Jersey. Nashville. You'd go up on Cripple Creek, Stephen C. God, that sounds like that sounds like it could be a cool song. I'd go up on Cripple Creek where the catfish swim around. I'm going to work on that song, too. Where's Club Soda Kenny? I haven't talked to Kenny in uh, a bit. I don't make money anymore, so a lot of the people aren't around anymore. Do you get it? <laughs> Jesus. Hey guys, where you all going? Hey guys, where you all going? I'm still the same guy. I just don't have money anymore. Hey guys, where you going? <laughs> no, I'm just busting Kenny's ad uh, uh, balls. Kenny did right by me. Yeah, you find out that uh, life is very, very different when you don't make uh, the money anymore. Hey, I thought we were actually friends, guys. Where you going? Where you going? Oh, you're so right, Brandy Torres. You aren't you aren't wasting your car horn beeps now that you don't have Kenny to monitor your beep usage, are you? <laughs> Brandy. Yeah, Kenny really did not like using his beeps when we drove. I remember many times like uh Jimmy would be in the back seat and he would lean all the way into the front seat to beep the horn because Kenny refused to beep the horn. There would just be some insane thing happening in front of us that definitely needed a beep, and Kenny would not do the beep. It, was, it had something to do with his OCD, I think. I don't know. But he refused to do the beep, and it would drive Jimmy nuts, and Jimmy would reach all the way from the back seat and just honk Kenny's horn. One of the craziest days driving with Kenny uh, and it's the road right below uh, below this video. It's a little side street to get to my building. And we're we're tooling down the street, coming home from Sirius XM after another amazing radio show. And there's a lot of pigeons that fly in between these buildings. And it's almost impossible to hit a bird, if you ever noticed. They're not going to hit your windshield for the most part. And we're going about 30 miles an hour down this side road. And also the pigeon appears out of nowhere, hits the fucking windshield, and, and explodes. I mean, explodes. Feathers falling down from the sky, it felt like for a minute straight. And I was horrified by what happened, and Kenny, Kenny seemed to enjoy it. I'm like, holy shit. It was fucked up. And it didn't bother him in the least. But then I got to remember, he was like, uh, you know, he was a cop in like the 70s and 80s when shit was really crazy. Jimbo, I thought we said this already. You like the doors, right? 
Jimbo Morrison's back. I remember you telling Florentine you liked Peace Frog. Yeah. We were talking about my favorite uh, door song the other day. And I was leaning toward like uh, either some of the down and dirty blue stuff or uh, or the Peace Frog. Sometimes I've said, um, you know, the Peace Frog. Although I love that little short poem that Jim Morrison did about uh, bird of prey or birds of prey. Birds of prey. Birds of prey. Flying high. Flying high. In the summer sky. I like that. I like Texas radio on the big beat. I like that. Wherever you are on the YouTube, I like that one. Crystal Ship, I like. It's okay. LA Woman's a great album. Oh, yeah. On my hunt list for an original vinyl pressing, uh, Jeffrey Geis. Mm, I forgot about this. I had a fan in LA. Speaking of LA. It was always cool when we traveled as a radio show because we were we were a massive show for the New York area, New York, Long Island, Jersey. You throw in uh, some of that Philly action and you throw in some of that Boston action. So pretty much from Boston to Philly, we were massive and we were syndicated. And I remember we'd go out to L.A. and whatever gig we had, uh, fans would be waiting for us. And I'm like, this is so fucked up that we're in L.A. and people know who the fuck we are. I always found that weird because we never had a a true um, station in L.A. that picked up the Opie and Anthony show, which I always found weird. Um, but they were listening through the Internet and other ways and whatever. And this guy, really cool guy, I believe he was some some form of a, a paparazzi guy. Um he knew I was a Doors fan and he gave me, I forgot what album, but he gave me a Doors album that was signed. Yes, signed, but relax. It was signed by, uh, I forgot all the players now. Oh my, uh, uh, Robbie Krieger, Bobby Krieger, Robbie Krieger, right? Robbie Krieger, John Densmore, and Ray. He hands me this Doors album that was signed by three out of the four guys. That's the way to say this, actually. Three out of the four guys. Jim Morrison's signature was missing. So I was very grateful. I said, thank you very much for the album. I really, really appreciate it. And then he walked uh, He walked off. And then I walked the other way. And I proceeded to put the album uh, where it belonged. <laughs> I'm like, this is useless. Without a Jim Morrison autograph. Oh, I cracked myself up. I should have had Val Kilmer uh, sign it. That would have almost uh, been good, right? Oh, wow. Uh, Brady Torres, Opie, y'all hit a pigeon with Kenny, LOL. I had that happen, but it was an owl. And it was 1 a.m. and I saw its giant allies before my car hit him going 55 miles an hour. Then it exploded like the pigeon Kenny hit. Yeah, man, when you hit a bird, they it looks like they just explode. You know that Prince was a good basketball player? Did anyone else see that clip online? Like just in the middle of one of his shows, they bring out a basketball and a hoop. Look it up for yourself. And he had total skills. He's spinning the basketball on his finger like it was nothing. And then he uh, made a shot. And then he went back into his song. I thought that was uh, extremely weird. Oh, you want to know something else that blew my mind? 
And you might want to put earmuffs on um, because I'm going to mention Rachel Maddow from uh, MSNBC. And I know that'll trigger people to start typing really hard on their keyboard, libtard, damn, and snowflake. I was, uh, I don't know what it was. I was somehow something popped up about uh, women that are tall. Turns out it blew my mind. Rachel Maddow is almost six foot tall. <laughs> Look it up. She's a giant. Oh my God, Gino Montez, you had to do it. You had to do it. She comes up with the who, rain or me, rain or. That drove me nuts when I used that to play fucking uh, music on the radio. The who singing rain or me, or me. And that's, I think, O apostrophe E-R, right, Billy? I think rain or me. And then it turns out, I'm thinking it's a rain song, but it, but it's a, it's a R-E-I-G-N song. It's not even rain as we know rain. And then the stupid who with their proper English, I guess, rain or me, or me, fucking ruined the song for me. How's the doggy doing in Manhattan? Uh, the doggy's loving life, loving the uh, dog park where he can just sniff butts and lick whatever the hell he wants with no Me Too movement in sight, which is pretty insane. I'm like, uh, you look at the dog owner, like, are you cool with our dogs just molesting each other? Because this is really weird. Can we at least acknowledge this is really, really fucking weird, please? This is weird, right? Like, they're pretty much 69 and they just met, and now they're just licking each other's balls. That's, that's cool with you? All right. All right, then I guess we'll just let them uh, continue doing that. Boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo. <laughs> 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 <laughs>